Welcome to Empire Building, the podcast where we talk about building big businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your co-host, Wendy Papazian. And I'm Via Williams. Today is unique and special to me because I am going to do a one-on-one interview with Wendy today. Yay. This is different. I'm so excited. Just the two of us. Just the, just the two, two of us. us. And, you know, for a lot of you guys who listened to the episode where Wendy did a one-on-one interview of me, it will be no surprise that this is going to be kind of a a financial biography interview, maybe a net worth biography might be a better way to say it. Your wealth journey. Yes. A WJ. Oh, there you go. Didn't even know that was a thing. WJ. I I think that... I just made it a thing. You just, Wendy the Wordsmith just made it a thing. That's right. It's a thing now. Wendy, you know, Wendy's not one of, she's one of my closest friends, but she's much more than that. I'm happy to say we're also business partners. We we co-host this uh, Empire Building podcast together. And, you know, you guys hear us talk a lot, but what you may not know is in, you know, just over 10 years Wendy went from being a stay-at-home mom making no income to being a you know one of the largest most successful real estate business owners in the nation with you know a business bringing 3 million and over in revenue a year keeping in mind that only 2% of women-owned businesses bring in over a million in revenue a year and her and her husband Jay are uh, net worth multimillionaires and and I think you know when we say that it's not to brag and it's not to you know build anyone's ego it it's to say that anybody can do this with the the commitment and the and the purpose and the focus and and Wendy and Jay really I think exemplify that Oh well thank Did you I get you know that it's kind right? of Yes. And I think it's kind of funny because people always say that, oh, well, if you can do it, I can do it too. And it's, it's <laughs> vaguely like, insulting. Yeah. Like vaguely insulting, <laughs> but actually, but I actually love that because it is really true. You know, I didn't come from money. I had no aspirations really to be wealthy. And um, I have done repeatable things that anybody can do. Um, not everybody will do them but I've done things that anybody can do and Jay's the same way. And it's just, it's just effort plus com- compounding over time that has equaled success. And it's not that sexy, you know, it's not, it's not, I'm not going to sell anything on Instagram with my slow and steady approach, but it's too hey, bad that you're so hey, sexy though. I know. Well, Hey, it's, you know, I'm rich. So there you go. There you go. I know, it's awesome. Okay, so um, you mentioned something that I actually think we should start there, which is, you know, what were your views of money or wealth growing up? We all bring some baggage to that table. So kind of walking into this, you know, how did you grow up thinking about money? And when do you think your mind was opened to the concept that being wealthy was something you might want to do? Yeah. Well, so uh, both my mom and dad uh, had some college. Neither of them graduated from college. Um, And my mom actually grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My mom grew up in in California, in Orange County. And her dad owned Tasty Freezes, which are... They sell ice cream. And then he also owned gas stations. I've never known that before. Yeah, yeah. My dad's family was basically... they They were farmers although his dad was a carpenter and, and his mom was kind of a stay-at-home mom. 
but essentially their whole family were were farmers. And my grandmother was the oldest of of 11 uh, when her dad died and she and her mom worked on a farm. So that's kind of the family I identify with because my mom uh, was kind of estranged from, from her parents and always sort of hated California and hated that lifestyle and thought that uh, her mom was really ostentatious in her spending. So I actually grew up with a, I, this idea of like entrepreneurialism is bad. Having a lot of money is bad. Uh, and I kind of got that from her because we literally never saw our grandparents. I mean, maybe once every two or three years. And, uh, and then my dad was the son of parents who grew up in the Great Depression. And so he was just very thrifty. You know, it's always, it was, wasn't this abundance mentality. It was just like, let's just save, 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 save. And um, so that's really, that was my mindset growing up. I mean, we grew up lower middle class. You know, I had a nice childhood. There was nothing um, horrible about it. I would say it's probably a typical kid that grew up in the, in the seventies. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So you went from the, the Northwest to New York city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I went to school in Madison, Wisconsin, and then, uh, traveled around the world for about a year and a half and, uh, and then landed in New York city. And my first job there, actually, my only job there was, Interestingly, uh, for a woman who owned a small marketing consulting company that helped nonprofits and colleges and universities with their public relations. And she was married to one of the premier real estate brokers in New York City at the time, Clark Halstead. And so they were very much an entrepreneurial family. Uh, I think I really gravitated towards her. She's a, she sadly ended up dying of cancer, right? As I was, moving to Austin uh, and very young with two, leaving two daughters. And they were very influential on me, especially when it came to thinking bigger, you know, thinking about uh, money and being an entrepreneur and things like that. So, you know, as we say, who you surround yourself with really matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we say that a lot. All of us yeah. do. Yeah, for sure. So um, you, meet, you meet Jay in New York City, you get married mm-hmm. and, and you move to Austin for a, a job opportunity. Is that right? No, we actually just... I had been to Austin for lots of reasons. And every time I went, I just really loved it. And so Jay and I decided we were going to quit our jobs and take a really long honeymoon. And so we ended up taking a five-month Mediterranean honeymoon. And along the way, we were going to decide what our next move was going to be. And Jay was in publishing, you know, in publishing. And there's not a lot of places for publishers. It's New York and... Um, and so he kind of took a leap of faith when I said, let's go check out Austin. I think you'll really like it. But we didn't have any jobs. We didn't even actually know a single person in Austin. We just picked up and and moved there because we liked the vibe of the city. That's crazy. And awesome all at the same time. Yeah. So he got a job uh, working at Keller Williams. Well, he actually was going to freelance when he started because Jay uh, wanted to pursue his writing. And uh, so I actually had a job and I had a, a like a side hustle as well. So I worked, I actually worked for a, a travel magazine when I was there mm. and I was an editor. And then Jay was focusing on writing gigs. And so he, mm-hmm. he had several freelance writing opportunities 
Uh, he worked on a couple of books at that time. He was working on Brandy Chastain's Go for the Goal part-time. Wow. He had a few uh, articles in Texas Monthly. And so he was doing he was doing pretty well as a freelancer. I would say that he probably didn't have the focus and determination that he does now, uh, which you really have to sell yourself relentlessly to become a writer uh, and really make a make a big impact in a big career. So uh, after about six months of that, I basically said, listen, your writing days are over. You need to get a real job. So mm-hmm. that's when he got Cracking his job at, at Keller Williams. Yeah. Yep. So what was the income situation back then? Was he the the highest paid employee at Keller Williams? That was a leading question. I know the answer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. No. So uh, the, the publishing industry is notoriously underpaid. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. he was, I mean, I made about twice as much as Jay made in New York. And I don't even, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't making that much, or at least it didn't go very far in New York anyway. And so, and honestly, I thought that I would always be the, the moneymaker on our, in our family. Mm-hmm. I really did. I always assumed it was going to be me. And then, you know, Jay just, Actually, you know, Jay's this kind of person who once he gets into something, he sticks with it. And then he ends yeah. up doing a lot better in the end. Um, he's a disciple of the one does thing. that, doesn't it? I know. It really works. <laughs> Weird. It's, it's boring, but it works. Yeah. yeah. So at the time, I was working for the state of Texas because I'd moved into a different job. And I was making about 40 grand. And Jay was making about that too. He was the lowest paid employee at Keller Williams International. Um, and we knew that because someone put a list of everybody and what they made. And it was a small list. You know, there's only less than 20 people there. And it's actually funny because we found that list digging through some old papers when we moved a couple of years ago. We wow. still had it. Yeah, we That's still had amazing. it. He, yeah, he someone made, planted it on him so he would see it, right? So he would see it. Yeah, because yeah. I think they understood that he's quite talented and he was probably underpaid. Um, you know, and and it was a you know, it wasn't a startup, but it was just a small company, uh, you know, obviously very concerned with with revenue. So, yeah. So here you are, you're both, you know, cranking and, and you're, you know, you're making nice salaries, but certainly nothing that, you know, would indicate multimillionaire, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what do you think was kind of the first pivotal event, Wendy, that, that made you maybe more purposely start this journey? Well, pretty soon after Jay got uh, working at Keller Williams, there was a mandatory class for everybody at KWRI. And Mo Anderson was going to teach it. For those of you that know Mo, she was at the time the president of Keller Williams. And what's great about KW is that they encourage their employees to start businesses. I mean, there are many businesses that have been incubated out of, out of Keller Williams. And so, so there was a required class on how to read a balance sheet, right? So having to do with a profit and loss statement. And so Jay showed up fully expecting to be with all 20 of his other employees because he was new. As he looks around, he's the only one there, right? And the velvet hammer, as Mo was now in back then, is teaching the class. So as he puts it, he was pretty terrified it's and a one-on-one. That's crazy. I'd be It's crazy. Too. I know. And so what is great about that is, A, Mo did not cancel the class. 
she could have done that easily. She could have said, listen, this is not worth my time. So whenever I'm teaching, uh, even if only one person shows up, I know it's absolutely the right person and, and they're supposed to be there. I love that. And so I, I never, it's never disappointing to me, the size of the class. And so then Mo sits down and they talk about uh, how to read a balance sheet, how to read a profit and loss statement. And it turns into a discussion about Jay's personal uh, balance sheet, which is essentially a net worth statement. And that was news to Jay. Uh, neither he nor I had ever heard of tracking your net worth or understanding what somebody's net worth was. And wow, what a gift. You know, what a gift that sent us down this road. So Jay came home that day and he said, we need to figure out what our net worth was. And at the time we were renting. So we had just moved from New York City Rent was only $800 a month. So we're like, why would we buy anything? This is incredible rent. And we had a Toyota Tercel that we shared uh, that eventually caught on fire a couple of years later. Uh, <laughs> so not a, not a fancy car. Let's just say that. And a few other assets. Jay had a 401k. I had debt. And at the end of the day, our net worth was about $2,200, uh, which was great. We weren't in debt. You know, but better than mine was first time I measured it. So yeah, 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 way better. I didn't so, know yeah. that in front of it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we were like, "What? This sucks." You know, here we are, we're thirty. We've both been working a decade each. So I was like, "That's about a hundred. That's like a hundred dollars for every year we've worked." It sucks. So like, I didn't did not like that. So what did that lead to? What do you think, you know, was the first big decision that that led to? Uh, So immediately we decided we needed to buy a house. Uh, We didn't really have enough money saved up for it. So we talked to Jay's parents about getting a small loan so we could put a down payment down. And so we bought our first house. We bought it at the the top of the dot-com kind of bubble in Austin, where home prices were, uh, we thought, escalating dramatically. We bought it for $175,000. And we thought we, we we thought we overpaid for it. We were like, this is crazy. You know, and I'm from the Midwest. There's no garage. There's no basement. My parents are like, what are, are you in a trailer park? Or like, what kind of house <laughs> did you buy? You know? And so that house, had, we ended up keeping that house. And um, so we've had that house for about 20 years now. How much is it worth now, do you think? Probably $850. Crazy. That's yeah. Crazy. And, and complete strangers have helped us pay the debt off. So that part's been pretty good. Well, and that, I think that, that that's probably the next domino is, is the fact that when you were ready for your second house, right? Mm-hmm. You, you kept that one. Yeah. So I got pregnant and uh, we only had one bathroom. And I just knew instinctively that our marriage would be better with a second bathroom. That's a good instinct. Yeah, totally. And yeah. Uh, and the house Smart was small. Woman. It was 1,100 square feet. And so that was in 2004. And the, the market had kind of cooled a little bit. But we looked for a long time because we were looking for a bargain. We were really looking for a good deal. We were pretty focused on that. And so we actually got a house that was an estate sale. And I look back and, and even, even for the times, it was, it was a bargain. It was a mm-hmm. really good deal for us, which How we needed because $245, wow. uh, which we needed because it was pretty much a lateral move for us. 
Um, and we didn't, ha- we, again, we, we, we weren't selling the first house, so we couldn't really make a big jump up. Mm-hmm. So Mm-mm. that was part of our consideration because in, you know, three years, our salaries hadn't bumped up that much. So it was important for us to have a good, that house rents for $4,300 a month. My mortgage payment is about $2,500 a month and it's worth over a million dollars now. That's crazy. So right yeah. there. Right there, you're at a, I mean, quick math, a one and a half million dollar net worth just on those two. Yeah. You're a net worth millionaire, not even including your current financial residence just with those two. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just two, just our first two houses. And, you know, some of that is uh, the lucky fact that Austin real estate continues to escalate. You know, the home prices in my neighborhood are up 67%. And, you know, we have three houses now in this neighborhood. So it's great. Well, yeah, that's true. But in a lot of our our markets, we can kind of cheat that way, right? I mean, like yeah. when I look at my net worth, it, it's, you know, right now, I think it's like 80% of it's real estate. And that's mm-hmm. probably pretty typical. Of, of yeah, ours is about 60. But yeah. What happened after that? Because I think I think what happened after that is you guys kind of got focused and really started setting some goals. Yeah. So what happened after that, actually, before we bought our second house, we decided we were going to set some big goals for ourselves because we were like, well, it's one thing to track your net worth. It's another thing to have a goal around your net worth and work towards it. Hey, Wendy, maybe we should define net worth really quick. I I don't know. Maybe maybe that's too basic, but I feel like, you know, why wouldn't we? Yeah. Well, so your net worth is everything you own. So all of your assets, your house, car, Rental properties, 401k, cash in the bank, everything you own minus all your debt. So everything you owe, uh, which is, you know, car, car mortgage, house mortgage, credit card debt, medical debt, school debt, all that stuff. And so that number is different than what most people think they should be measuring. Most people think they should be measuring income, mm-hmm. but it's really, it's really net worth. That's it's right. the true measure. Yeah, it's the true measure. Income's what gets you net worth, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So you set your goals. What what were they? Yeah, so they were they were honestly they well, they felt huge at the time and they were honestly kind of random. People ask us how we set them and it it was just pretty random. Uh, so it was to become net worth millionaires, right? Remember when we started our net worth was $2200. Uh, to own 10 rental properties, right? Because we did the math and we knew we wanted some passive income. And we said, uh, $75,000 in passive income is our freedom number. So we said, 10 rental properties will get us there. So that was always kind of what we thought is those three things would go hand in hand, uh, which is the 10 rental properties would give us the passive income uh, would give us the net worth of a million. And ironically, you know, we hit our net worth goal and, and that was our 10-year goals. Yeah, which was, I thought it was crazy. I honestly did. I mean, I can remember thinking like, okay, babe, whatever. Because I just didn't, I didn't believe it was really possible for us. Although I was willing to give it a shot, like skeptical, but, you know, still running towards it with unbridled enthusiasm you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So yeah. you set that goal in, you know... That was probably right about 2003, 2002. Okay. We're not exactly sure, to be honest with you, but that was sometime after we bought our first house and before we bought our second house. It was in there somewhere. Give or take. 
just out of curiosity, how do you remember the year you found out or that you did hit being net worth millionaires? Yeah, it was about six years later. So I can tell you, I've actually got my little historical I have net it worth. in front of me. I just yeah. wanted to see how you'd answer that. So here, here's, I guess, yeah. when you say net worth millionaire, do you include your primary residence in that? Uh, we do. Yep, yeah, we do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. Not, and not everybody does. Yeah, yeah. But we've we've always done that. So you, what I have in front of me is you set your million dollar net worth goal right around 2005 and you hit it at 2013. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's interesting because I, I see this upwardly rising chart, but I, but I actually see a little dip. What happened there in 2010, 11? So we got really, I think the, the big goal spurred us forward. And, and then at the same time, I quit my job in 2004 and I had uh, my children in 2004 and 2005. So I had time on my hands to do more stuff. And, and at the same time, Jay uh, and Gary co-authored The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. And so that, all those things kind of spurred us towards buying more real estate. And it was quite easy to buy real estate, if you remember back then. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so we bought several properties in 2005 and 2006. We bought a piece of land in uh, Travis Heights in Austin. And we subdivided it and sold that off. Um, And then we got involved with a... um, Like a building. It was kind of a scheme, I guess, uh, where a builder used our credit... And and was going to build a house, and that we were going to split the profits, and that turned out to be, um, you know, a, a calamity of the of the, the bubble of the do, of the I guess the recession. So all of those things happened kind of in sequence, and so that's why our net worth dropped. Was one we had a house in Marble Falls where we had where where the builder, you know, ended up just leaving and we were stuck with a house that wasn't finished and ended up $150,000 in debt before we could finish it. So you were doing income producing real estate activities, what I would call. You were building, developing, and flipping in order to to increase your income to them by assets to increase your net worth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the best example of that is we bought a bought a piece of land. It took us over a year to subdivide it. Like just the process in Austin is slow. We got a loan from someone. You know, someone brought the deal, and then we took that cash from the subdivision and we dumped it into another house that we renovated and we were going to flip it. Mm-hmm. We actually ended up keeping that because the market started tanking in Austin, so we had to keep that as a rental because we couldn't sell it. Do you still own that one? I do. Actually, do you know what's really crazy about that? Is my current tenant in there, when I was looking at her, she's living with her her parents and moving out. And she, when I looked at her address, it was actually a house that was built in that subdivision. Wow. And then we took that money and we used it to purchase the house that she was now renting, which was crazy. a really like crazy world. Yeah. I was like, oh, crazy I think I've world. I think I've I've done a lot of real estate deals when kind of I'm crazy. Sure you stuff approve like that, that application. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> That's so it was cool. really it was funny. So it's you know, it's safe to say that this wasn't a straight line up to the top, that there was, you know, you had your own fair share of disasters and fails along the way. 
For sure. Yeah. Our first flip was a flip we did with Dave Jenks and um, another partner. And it it was, we, we made so many mistakes that we didn't end up making any money. I mean, it was like a learning experience for us. I think maybe we made $500 that we split four ways and weren't paid for all of the sweat equity we put into it. And uh, and then yeah, that that building deal in Marble Falls ended up costing us one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and we just paid that off a few years ago. So wow, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So so if you made your first million in twenty thirteen, you know you had some ups and downs, and you know how many homes did you own by then to get to that first million? Um, probably maybe one, two, three, probably six. Okay. Six. So you lived in one and then you had five mm-hmm. rentals. Yeah. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. And and a five lot of them were, were homes you had lived in, you bought as owner occupied. And two then, two you know, of them were. Yeah. And then the rest were rentals. Yep. Okay. That you bought directly mm-hmm. as rentals. And and so by now I'm assuming, you know, if you did that many acquisitions that you were working, I'm assuming that that you were bringing more income into the household in order to do that. Yeah. So uh, at the end of 2009, I, my son went to kindergarten. So I decided to get my real estate license and I really wanted to get my license to save money on investment properties because that's how, that's how I viewed myself. That's how I introduced myself was a real estate investor and trophy wife, of course. Um, of course. And uh, so that's was my primary reason for getting my know, license. I Maybe Jay's the trophy husband. I haven't decided. He is. It's a little both. Well, for sure he is. Yeah, both, for sure yeah. he is. Yeah, so that first full year uh, in 2010, I ended up selling 18 houses working part-time. Wow. And um, I made uh, about twice as much money as I ever made at any previous job. And um, and then that next year, I made over $100,000 also working part-time. Wow. And so that was... I was like, wow, I think... I could make a living out of this. And so to be honest, at that point, I kind of, I don't want to say I abandoned real estate investing, but I definitely put it on a back burner as my kids were getting older and, um, you know, the, the real estate, growing the real estate team required a lot of effort. And mm-hmm. had we, you know, we just hit our 10 rental property goal this month, actually. Oh, wow. Um, and had we and had had the real estate team not showed up, for sure we we would probably own many 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 more properties. But it's it's the hassle factor has been minimal. So, what were the economics then? Did you kind of say, all right, like we're going to live on Jay's salary, and then we're going to use your real estate salary to invest, or did you just do a portion of that? What did that look like as you started making more and more income? Yeah. Well, so, you know, we've always been really clear that uh, work is going to be a choice for us. Mm-hmm. Um, every decision we've made has been um, not made out of financial necessity. It's been because uh, we've had the ability to do what we want, which is we've always lived way below our means, way, way, way below our means. Yeah. And that's the gift I got from my, you know, my depression era grandparents. Yeah. Uh, just being super thrifty. I have an eight-figure net worth. I still price comparison when I go to the grocery store. I look at the prices of paper plates when I'm there. And I I always pick out the ones that are cheaper. And so that mm. kind of mentality has... That, that has not gone away. And it's... 
as as we're wealthier, I'm having to, it, it's a struggle, honestly. Uh, but like that mentality is really how we uh, were able to become wealthy. Uh, mm-hmm. is, is that and so when when I started my real estate uh, team, our goal was to pay. First of all, was to pay off our house we were living in, mm-hmm. and so we paid down that debt. We didn't pay it off completely, but we we paid it off a lot because we've always wanted to be able to have properties that are that we own free and clear because then we could just live in them and there's no mortgage yeah. payment, right? Yeah, it's just it's right. just that freedom. And so we're always purposeful about that. And then some of the money then went into investing. And you know, honestly, Jay was creating other companies, starting other mm-hmm. companies. That's when um, Relic Publishing around that time started to. We started to build that and then also the one thing business. And so, but both of those took about five years to make any money. So, so that's what's interesting about our net worth is, is when we look, when we look at it, some of the jumps actually started as a result of something we did five years ago. So it's like I said, it's not always that sexy to think about that, you know, and people just want this instantaneous gratification. But like, you know, when Jay started the one thing business, he seventh leveled that business, which was he was the owner and he didn't work in it. And so all of the profits that it made poured back into the business, poured back into the business, poured back into the business. And I don't think uh, we've actually realized a cent of money from that company. And it's a six-year-old company. And you can't do that unless you are. That's right. Unless you have the cash reserves to do that, right. and and most people, because they live from paycheck to paycheck to paycheck, they they can never do that. They would have mm-hmm. had to take money out, and so the growth is slowed. And mm-hmm. we were able to do that with my real estate team, and these other businesses, and so then all of a sudden, you sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice, and you feel poor. You know, we felt poor. People would have been surprised to know what our net worth was. We felt poor. And and then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, wow, we kind of made it here. You know, we're financially free. And I mean, you know, you talk about it. It 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 clearly came came naturally to you, but I noticed a hiccup a few minutes ago when you were talking about it. You're like, you know, it's getting tougher to price comparison and it's getting tougher to do that. Would you say that, you know, that's because that that's such a deeply held belief that you that it's important to you to hold on to that attitude and that mindset? Well, actually what I meant was that it's it's tough to get rid of that attitude when I don't need to have it anymore. That was really what I meant when I said that. Oh, the opposite. Okay. Um the opposite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's so it's so ingrained in me, you know, like Probably about six months ago, Jay was like, I need a new Kindle. It, I can't use it unless it's plugged in. I'm like, that's fine. It, it just, just plug it in and read it. And he's like, well, I can't take it on the airplane and things like that. And, you know, I don't it's know like, what you get me costs. the Kindle. Yeah. It charges. It's, it's, it's like 99 bucks. So I have to like check myself in those moments and uh, just be like, okay, if we can spend the hundred dollars. That's fine. It'll be such a, you know, well, but, if you have but, to but, course correct, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that is really the, you know, I think if you read that book by Morgan Housel, The Psychology of Money, he talks about the the character traits, uh, the behavior traits that are required. And, um, you know, a certain amount of thrift is required in order to become wealthy. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that, you know, as you know, that's a newer habit for me. Yeah. And, but it, it, you know, the good news for everybody is, is you can, it does, you know, it sets in because I had a milestone moment recently where I uh, became a net worth millionaire on paper. And Wendy made a, I know it was a, it was cool. It was a big moment, especially if you listen to my first interview, like it was a big moment. And, um, and Wendy's like, um, you know, you're rich. And I, and I remember, you know, we were all celebrating on text, a group of us. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm like, I am poor. Literally, I feel poor. And so, you know, it's three years and and it's set in enough for me to understand that statement, right? Like I, I'm much more, I'm almost much more cautious now, actually. That's why I find it interesting that you're trying to do the opposite. I, I have, I have, we are 180 on that. I went well, from that yeah. to this, you know? Yeah. Well, I had a big aha during quarantine, which was, you know, they talk about the 4% rule and you look at your, basically your net worth and you multiply it by 4%. And that's the amount, amount of money you could live off without losing any of your nut. And I, I'm just like, we're so fine. You know, we're absolutely fine. Yeah. And um, so, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a blessing to um, be okay with what you've got. Mm-hmm. You know, at the that's end right. of the day, it's like, I, I, I'm getting ready for my 50th birthday party and uh, you know, I'm looking at dresses on tjmax.com. So there you go. So oh, I can um, help you with that. Now I am going to intervene. I need your help. I am Thank you. Full on intervening. Literally, you are not buying that dress on TJ Maxx. No, I mean I I'm not really, but I was looking. Yeah, you know what I no. mean. Yeah. So. Well, turn it off. Just we're we're blocking that somehow. Some IT person is going to listen to this and tell us <laughs> how to block that from your internet. <laughs> Here, so. Here's here's what I, I I find interesting, and I really want our listeners to hear Wendy. Because I'm staring at the chart and I know the trajectory. If it took, you know, sort of however long, we just said eight years, six to eight years to get to the first million. How long did it take to get to the second million? Yeah, just about another year. That's it. You went from six to eight years to one year. Yep. Or wait, is that right? Or is it about two years? Let me look. It's two years, actually. Two years. And then... Uh, two years for the next million, and then one year for the million after that. It, and I think that's really important to emphasize. It takes so long for that that first million. To me, my next milestone now isn't some. It, it's more. It's it's sort of a number. It's like a million without my primary residence. That's kind of the next um, thing mm-hmm. for me to strive for. Yeah. Right? And for me, that's a lot because I live in the Seattle, Washington area, and that that accounted for a lot. I cheated by living here, but you know, hey, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I made a good. Yeah, well, you also had yeah. to pay. You also had to pay to buy it and all that yeah, stuff. Made a good decision. Pay the mortgage over the years. Yeah, yeah that's right. So, so um, what what do you think the biggest lessons are in your journey? So, I think lesson number one is to figure out what the habits are that are going to make you successful. And I'm not a habitual person. I'm just not. It's it's hard for me to develop habits. I, I do live with someone who's fairly habitual, and that's really helped me a lot. And it's often me who's kind of forcing us to track our net, net worth and things like that. So tracking your net worth as a habit and going over it with your partner, if they're willing and able once a month, is huge. Just that awareness, you know, it's like we talk about in episode six, I think it was know your numbers, 
A lot of people are scared because they don't really want to know what that number is. Oh, and, yeah. I've been um, there. It is it is uh, really yeah. scary uh, for a lot of us to actually sit down and commit to tracking our net worth the first time. And I want to encourage everybody to just do it. Rip off the Band-Aid. Everything gets better after that yep. moment. Yeah. So that habit and then, of course, the habit of uh, living below your means. Um, if you can live on 50% of what you make, and if you're a younger person, if you're in your 20s listening to this, you know, if you're like me, uh, you ate ramen and mac and cheese in college, and why not roll out into your professional life and continue those habits, right? Have a roommate. Um, I have lots of people. I have many people on my team who, who, who are both on my team now and have been on my team before that have multiple income producing properties and they're still in their 20s. And that's because they kept that mm-hmm. mac and cheese and ramen right. habit. And um, most of us in this industry feel like we have to look good uh, in order to get business, which is absolutely not true. So, um, you know, you don't need a fancy car till you can pay cash for it. And um, the nice thing is I still don't feel like I need a, a fancy car. You know, I don't care. Um, that's a good habit. Those are two of the main things I would say is like, what are those What are those financial habits? And then set a goal for yourself, right? So it's one thing to aimlessly watch your net worth grow. It's another thing to be very focused on the finish line. And you should have a 10-year finish line, a five-year finish line, and a one-year finish line. And it's okay if the 10-year is, you can't figure it out. It's okay. I mean, it, it's okay if it's not perfect. Um, it, it's okay because you're still going to be going for that bigger thing that's going to push you to do more. I mean, the uh, year we remodeled our house, we knew we needed a lot of cash to do that. And we weren't willing to take out any debt. And that was the best year of my real estate uh, business because I had a huge goal. And we were able to pay for this remodel with cash. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, that I was uh, that was inspiring. I mean, it was a massive remodel, and um, I mean, the equity you're sitting in just in that home alone is uh, is a that's crazy. Million, so it's it's crazy. What do you think the hardest part of this was for you? I think the hardest part for me is, and it's weird because it's it's. It's really like that abundance mentality, that abundant thinking. Um, I think the hardest thing for me has been raising my financial thermostat. Um, One of the most powerful exercises for me was that exercise in bold where you have to put $100 in there and spend it and then put $200 in there and spend it and then put $400 in there and spend it. And so expanding my thinking, thinking bigger about how I want my life to be, how I want to spend my money, um, how I want to uh, donate money. That part has been very hard. And the only thing that I can think to say about how I've overcome that is, and I'm still struggling with it, is it's just a minute by minute, day by day, month by month, um, surrounding yourself by people who think bigger mm-hmm. than you. And and then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, okay, yeah, I I. I'm kind of a big thinker mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost by default, right? It's it's almost just just an accident of your environment at that point, right? Mm-hmm. It's the best best yeah. hack there is, yeah. is surrounding yourself with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So wow. 
I love that. That's why, you know, get, getting getting in an, in an organization where there's people encourage you, encouraging you to grow and think and do more mm-hmm. is priceless. You know, there's no amount of money that anyone could pay you to be in, to be in that environment. Yeah, for you sure. Know, will change your life. I think I think what's also interesting, you know, if you look at both of our financial journeys and, you know, everybody brings different stuff to the table. Your challenges mm-hmm. were not my challenges. My challenges were not yours. Mm-hmm. The, probably the commonalities are the the initial upfront time to hit that first million. Look, you know, mine was a little fast track because I'm older. I'm in a different stage in life, but it still mm-hmm. took three years. Yeah. And, you know, and I started yeah. negative, right? At age 20 something, it, it's going to probably take six or eight years. You know, but you guys were making yeah, 80,000 sure. a year. It wasn't like you were making, you know, hundreds, you know. Well, five of those, I was not, I wasn't working. Yeah. Yeah. So we were making even less. Yeah. I mean, I, I from 2004 to 2000, at the end of 2009, I wasn't yeah. working. So it was just Jay's salary. Had I been working, we probably would have gotten there yeah, faster. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But but the, the accidents, yeah. Yeah. real estate accidents, quote unquote, you know, are how most people are going to get that first million is, you know, just buying right or buying often and not selling, frankly, right? So buying and holding yeah, and not yeah. selling. Well, that, and that's the key is just, to, is, is we've kept everything that we could. You know, we had, we owned a, a duplex with a partner that we ended up having to sell because we weren't able to refinance it. But for the most part, I, I wouldn't even say, you know, I, I bought most of those investments before I was in real estate. So I made some, I would argue, pretty poor choices. Yeah. Um, I, our first house is just kind of weird. It's got a weird layout. Um, I bought a house off of Craigslist. We didn't even use a realtor. Um, I don't know what I was thinking. Jay was working for Keller Williams at the time. I could finagle the deal. Don't tell like anybody. square feet. <laughs> I know. But, you know, the, in one of the bedrooms didn't even have a closet in it. I didn't even know to think yeah. like, oh, maybe I should buy a house with two two bedrooms with two closets in it. I just didn't know. And so any any real estate decision you make looks pretty good 10 years in the 100% future. 100% of all real estate purchases will look good in 10 years. I mean, there's just, there's no, nothing that in history that would dispute otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Some are going to be better than others, but but I think that that is a valuable lesson probably in both of our journeys that, you know, if nothing else, you know, buying real estate and holding real estate is going to by default get you there and you can be more purposeful and get get bigger and or faster. Yep, yeah. for sure. And and honestly, you know, owning investment properties, it, it just hasn't been that much work, you know, because again, it's not like I bought 10 houses in one year and had to manage it all at once. It was like our first rental property was our first house. We didn't get our second one for three right. more years. So it, it I got three years to like figure out the systems. You know, and then I've just continued. I mean, I've made every landlady mistake in the book for sure. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, you know? but that that's that's what's cool about this is that you know you you screwed up, probably bought some weird houses on Craigslist. You you made landlady weird landlady mistakes, <laughs> but you know at the end of the day, you know it it's the, those those quote unquote accidents aren't really accidents. You know, time will time yeah. will will yeah. manage that. I think I should buy that URL, you know, weirdlandladymistakes.com. Just weirdlandlady.com would just work. 
I know. Totally. It's probably already bought. It's probably already bought. Wendy and I have a habit well, of well. Um, buying URLs, especially <laughs> if it's after 10 at night and we've been out. <laughs> Is that too much? Too much? Did I share too much? <laughs> we've had oh, some yeah. doozies on a Monday morning where we're like, whoa, yeah. what a, we had a fun weekend. <laughs> Well, Wendy, thank you so much for, you know, sharing sharing your journey and just I just want to take this opportunity. Um I'm going to get choked up here, but I want to take this opportunity to thank you for being a, a friend and mentor to me uh during this journey because, you know, it does take uh people around you that are strong and you are are strong and fierce and always have my back on this and will tell me, you know, things that I don't want to hear all the time. And you being so open with your story and like literally sharing numbers, you know, with me and not just fuzzy numbers, like this is my net worth. This is what it looks like. This is what it looked like. And this is, I know your journey by heart, you know? And so I thank you for that. And I hope that by everyone else hearing this, you know, they will also feel that impact. So thank you for doing that. Well, thank you. And I'm really, and I'm proud of you for taking that that first step, you know, Thank that's you. really all it yeah. does. It, it is. It begins with with deciding what you want and going for it. And, you know, of anyone I know, once you decide something, there's no stopping you. So it's it's been fun to I watch I think you. a lot of our listeners are in the same boat, you know, that that it's one thing we all know we want to be well. I mean, 99% of the population would say they want to be wealthy. That That's easy. That's cheap, right? Dreams are cheap. When when the rubber hits the road and you and you rip off the bandaid and you actually start measuring your your net worth and you go on this journey, it is a hard one, folks. Especially if you have been, you know, living behavioral decisions like I have been for for fifty years, right, forty eight years prior to that. But I can tell you that you know you can start anytime. You're not too old. You're not too young. And uh, you might be in the middle somewhere. It doesn't matter. You can start anywhere. And 10 years can completely change your financial thermostat in, in your financial uh, situation. You know, so. Yep. And at the end of the day, money is good for the good it can do. That's right. So. Well, we'll. You never know when you're gonna you're gonna need. We'll it. do some episodes on that too, on giving back, and I think we already have. But you know, just just you know, focusing on that. I mean, you building a, a, a charity, and I mean, we, there's so many things that that we can use these conversations as a foundation to then talk about that today. I think is really good for our listeners to just hear your journey and understand where it started. That it you know wasn't always here. Yeah. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. Of course. Thanks. All for right, having everybody. Me. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Empire Building. If you like what you heard, join our tribe by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and help us spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and review. Until next time, wishing you a life worth living. And remember, you are an empire builder.